0: Welcome to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. Here's your host Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. First podcast for me this year and today I'll try something different than what I've usually been doing with this podcast. I'll share my 12 takeaways from the past two weeks of action on the BWF World Tour. Things I've found interesting from Malaysia and India open, results, potential or just questions that I feel like these past two weeks has created for us to like search for answers for in the uh, coming weeks and months. I hope you'll find it uh, fun to listen to and please feel free to send me a message if you have any feedback, positive or negative. I'm releasing this episode a day early for all of my lovely patrons who support the podcast on patreon.com slash fittinghoose and if you sitting out there want to have the chance to get to listen to episodes early talk to me one to one get feedback on your game shout-outs and much more please go check out patreon.com slash fittinghoose it costs very little to support and you can stop your payments at any time there's no binding whatsoever now let's get straight to it my 12 takeaways from the past two weeks on the world tour i'll start with the discipline that's closest to my heart obviously the men's singles my first takeaway is that i am beginning to wonder if victor axelson's supremacy is a little bit on the decline I know he's still for sure the world number 1 I'm not questioning that at all I know he's also been dealing with this uh, tricky foot injury that ruined a lot of uh, a lot of the last part of last year for him but I do think it's a little bit or must be a little bit concerning for him that last year he didn't win the All England, he didn't win the uh, the World Championship, so two of the biggest events, if not the two biggest events of the year, he actually didn't win. I know he still had a phenomenal year, the best of the men's singles, but now he also lost to Shi Yuqi at the, the World Tour Finals in the group stage. He now lost to him again in Malaysia Open, another Super 1000 that he's not going to win, and again, I'm not saying that he's, he's not necessarily the best anymore, he still is for sure, but just considering how good his 2022 was with the small signs we saw in 2023 and now all of his injury issues with the foot and the results also like not being as consistently crazy you can say as they've been before could it mean that his like supremacy as i say is a little bit on the decline to be honest, even though I like Victor and I consider him a friend, I wouldn't mind if that was the truth. We will, we will just have to wait and see. I saw an interview with him where he said that. Uh he was still not training fully and he was very confident that when he started training fully again he would bring a level that was going to be very unpleasant for all of his uh, opponents. So I'm looking forward to see that but why I'm saying it wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it is that I would like to see someone really challenging him for the uh, throne as the world number one. I think we really need that. We have this kind of... Uh, rivalry between the uh, the world number one and number two and i think for a long time now we haven't really had that like clear world number two it's been really close between the like second ranked and like seventh or even eighth ranked player in the world in men's singles but that actually leads me to my second takeaway that i think for these past couple of weeks Yuchi has really established himself as the true world number two He already showed it at the World Tour Finals that he was really playing well by beating Victor, also making the final. He made the final again at the Malaysia Open, losing, I think, his fifth straight final and his fifth final since coming back from his uh, one-year suspension by the Chinese Federation. So he lost the final in Malaysia, but amazingly, he made another final in India Open, really showing some consistency, showing some physical toughness, but also some mental toughness and this time he also managed to get the title so he won the India super 750 he's establishing himself on the rankings as number two with actually a clear margin to number three and he's also getting a little bit closer to Victor still 10,000 points ahead so as I said before Victor is for sure still the number one but maybe the gap is getting a little bit smaller. We'll have to see, but uh, yeah, that's my first two takeaways from men's singles that maybe Victor Axelsen's supremacy is a little bit on the decline and Xi Yuqi is establishing himself as the true world number two. So a logical question from you guys would be, but what about Anas Antonsson? He was actually the guy who won Malaysia Open Super 1000. And I think that was, Actually, Anas is, I wouldn't say like his big breakthrough, but his big breakthrough in terms of him actually showing that he can win the biggest titles on the calendar. I know that he won the World Tour Finals some years ago, but I also don't think that tournament was as strong as this uh, Super 1000 back then. There were a lot of players not playing. It was right after we uh, started playing again from... uh, from all the COVID related uh, suspensions and stuff. So it was a, a little bit different. I'm not saying it wasn't a great win, it was a huge win. He also has a world championship silver medal. He has two bronze medals. He's won Denmark Open. So he's won a lot of big things, but he had never before won one of the big ones where everyone were present, everyone were ready to play. Everyone were there at the Malaysia Open and Anas won it. It's the first time he proves that, that for five days in a row, he can actually win against real world-class competition. And he didn't even have a good draw. He had to beat Pranoy in the first round. He beat three players that were ranked top 10 in the world. He had, as I said, Chi in the final who had just beaten Victor and showed also at the World Tour Finals he could beat him. So I think he had a really tough draw actually, and he just played amazingly. So that's a big takeaway for me that he really stepped up and showed that he's a guy that we cannot, or not cannot, but should not just say, is a dark horse for the big titles now. He's one of the guys that we can actually expect to win some of the big titles. Now he doesn't have to believe that he can do it anymore. Now he actually knows that he can do it. My fourth and final takeaway from the men's singles is the uh the new and improved Lee chuk Yu from Hong Kong. I really think he took his game to another level uh, during these two weeks. I think he played with a, a much better discipline than what we've seen before. He's definitely a player where I think everyone has always seen the potential. Like he has a lot of x-factor, I would say. Like he can create so many points on his own. Like his attack is insane on the days where he's really hitting it his net game is spectacular and like he just finds ways to score points that where you left a spectator and even as an opponent thinking like where did that come from but i feel like in these two weeks he also played with more discipline with a little bit more uh, thinking in his game and not, not being too much controlled just by his uh, his emotions so I think it's going to be really interesting to follow him for, uh, yeah, for the next few months to see if he can keep building on that. Because if he can do that, he is definitely going to be a guy that no one wants to play in the early rounds. He will shoot up to the, uh, uh, the, his highest ranking ever, which is uh, 13 next week. I know that from Statminton. If you don't follow him on Instagram and uh, Twitter, you should do that. But yeah, he's going to shoot up to, to uh, his highest ranking. And uh, he, if he can keep building on that discipline, he definitely has the potential to also break the uh, the top ten barrier. Let's move on to the uh, women's singles, where well, I have three takeaways. So my first women's singles takeaway, my fifth takeaway in total, is that it looks like Yeo Jimin from Singapore is maybe finally reaching her full potential so I spoke a little bit about potential with Lee Chuck Yu, and I think it's maybe a bit of the same with you that I think a lot of us has thought for a while that this is a player with really high potential like she's moving fast she looks very comfortable and fluid on court and she actually has some really uh, good shots very good technique she can score points on her own as well but she never really managed to find a way to put it all together more days in a row she's showed it in uh, in glimpses every now and then beating a good player here and there but doing it again three four five days in a row at the big events has never really been her thing but this time already at the malaysia open she started with beating Michelle Lee comfortably. I know Michelle has uh, deal, been dealing with her knee injury, I think it is. But then the second round, you beat Han Yu from China 22 20 in the uh, final game. And in the quarterfinal, which is by the way her first quarterfinal at this level for I don't know how long, but she didn't make any in 2023, so at least for more than a year, she takes An all the way to 21-19 in the final game. So already there we were seeing, okay, maybe she's uh, she's onto something here and she followed it up beautifully this week at the, uh, at the India Open, starting off by beating Wen Chi Su from uh, Chinese Taipei, then beating Tunjung Chung, uh, Gregoria Mariska Tunjung from Indonesia in the second round, seventh seed. In the quarterfinal, another matchup with Anse Young and Anse Young that didn't look like she was fully fit, but it shouldn't take away too much from uh, from Yeo's win. She beat her 21-19 in the first game, and at 3-0 up in the second, uh, Ansi Young pulled out. But I was watching that match, and Yeo really looked like a much more consistent player, and much more uh, also yeah, disciplined player, and a player that was uh, just putting it all together, basically, and playing uh, her best game. She also had a good chance in the second game in the semifinal against Tai Su Ying, but ended up losing that one. But a quarterfinal finish and a semifinal finish for a year is really a big thing, and uh, I would say also a small breakthrough for her. Talking about Tai Su Ying, who she lost to in the uh, semifinal, it's impossible not to see her again as someone who can win the big titles and maybe you're wondering like has we ever seen her as someone who couldn't but i would say in some way yes actually because last year she didn't really win much of the big titles i know she won the asian championships at the start of the year but apart from that she won the taipei open which is a super 300 And then of course she finished the year winning one, but that's like my takeaway is also go a little bit back to the World Tour Finals. But apart from that Chinese Taipei Open and the uh, Asian Championships last year, she had a lot of like final finishes, uh, semi-final finishes and uh, some quarterfinals as well. Lost the final of French Open, lost the final of Korea Open, but she was not really winning those titles, but it changed at the World Tour Finals at the end of last year. And she followed it up uh, these two weeks almost got the better of Ansi Young again in the final of Malaysia. I know she didn't, but she showed again that she's someone to count on. She's not just gonna make finals, but she can also win them. And she did that in India this week by beating Chen Yufei for the second week in a row. She beat her in the semifinal in Malaysia, and now she beat her in the final as well in India. So I would say Chen Yufei in the time that Ansi Young has been out has really stepped up and showed that she was the one to beat. Tai Shuiing beat her twice, she also beat Hipping Zhao from China twice uh, and yeah, got away with one big title at the India Open. So I really think she's uh, showing with the World Tour Finals and the uh, the India Open title, Malaysia Open final, that okay, we need to really count her in as a uh, gold medal contender for the Olympics and how fitting would it not be for her to win that, she really needs that one big title to yeah, I would say get what she deserves from the unreal career that she's been having so far. I want to wrap up this uh, takeaways in women's singles with one about Anse Young, and it's just, I'm really, really concerned with her physical appearance on court. So already in Malaysia, I think she didn't really look great in terms of her movement. like compared to her own standard, like she's still moving amazing on court, but compared to the own standards she set for herself, you could see that she had a lot of strapping on her knee and it got even worse in in India, more strapping. And she also had some strapping on her thigh, on her right leg as well. And I'm really, really concerned for her. She's only 21. She's won all the big titles now. She's only missing uh, the Olympics. Uh, goal basically to have won all of the uh, the big individual titles at least which is insane at her age but i'm very concerned that she's being pushed too hard she was out part of the yeah the end of last year with that knee injury and i'm a little bit concerned if she's starting out too early again and now really putting a lot of pressure on herself she had to pull out as i said in the quarter final of uh of india open uh, so yeah it just really didn't look good she didn't look comfortable and all, at all and uh, yeah i really hope they're not pushing her too hard because uh, yeah we would like to see answer young at her very best at the olympics uh, later this year and that must also be the big goal for uh, for her and the uh, the korean team to make sure that she will be there and be fit because what she did show us in malaysia is that even an answer young at what i would say maybe maximum 90 percent capacity is still better than the rest. She still beat Tai in that final. She still came away with the, uh, with the title. So she's just like really impressive, but I am very concerned about that knee uh, and how it's going to hold up with the uh, hectic schedule that's coming up this year. Let's move on to the uh, men's doubles takeaways that I have from these past two weeks. I have two of them and uh, let's start with a uh, one with focus on the Danes, Anna's Skorab Rasmussen and Kim Astrup, two of my, uh, my good friends. Uh, they, as you guys know, had an amazing past uh, six months or final six months of 2023. But my takeaway from these two weeks is that perhaps their honeymoon days, as I would call them, are over. I'm not saying that they're going to go back to the level they had before winning all those tournaments uh, from uh, yeah, starting from the european games last year and uh, and finishing off with the yeah was it hong kong open that were the la- latest title but i just got the kind of feeling from these two tournaments that they have definitely raised the l- lowest level so like they're raising the uh, raising the bar for their lowest level but i also kind of feel like it was clear that the wins are not gonna come as automatically and as easily as they did in the end of that year last year. It was something out of normal. Uh, so I wouldn't say they're gonna go back to normal, which was uh, a lower level than what they're at now. They will rise up to world number four. So they're, obviously they're still an amazing pair. I'm not questioning that, but it's just kind of like, I think it will be a little bit harder for them to reproduce some of those results this year. I'm. I'm very curious to see if they will bounce back in Indonesia this uh, coming week at the uh, Indonesia Super 500. But I did kind of of get this feeling that their honeymoon days are over and they're gonna really need to work very hard to achieve some of the results that all the results kind of gave a promise to produce uh, all yeah all the results that they had in the uh, at the end of last year like losing seven and ten or something like that to rank ready and shetty really really hurt in that quarterfinal in india so interesting to see how they come back from that apart from that my uh, other takeaway in the men's doubles is that there's no clear world number one right now i was actually thinking after malaysia open that Okay, the Chinese pair is probably a pretty clear world number one, but then they had a a strange result at the uh, at the India Open, losing the uh, the second round to a pair from Chinese Taipei, not from Chinese Taipei, sorry, from Thailand losing to Yomko and Kedron, which was very very surprising, uh, quite odd result and uh, now I can actually see again from Stapinson that they will drop down to second in the rankings, shetty and Ranky Ready will overtake them again. But but like the the rankings are so close, like Ranky Ready and Shetty 95,800 points, uh, Liang and Wang will have 95,400 points. Then we have Kang and seo from Korea who actually ended up winning. Uh, India open they will be a 92,000 points so I'm, I'm really struggling to to say who's the better pair of these three In in my head before this tournament I was pretty adamant that it's yeah, Liang and Wang but maybe it's actually Kang and Siu because they were also very close of beating Ranky Reddy and Shetty or at least taking them to three sets in Malaysia but blew uh, four game points and uh, now they beat them in the final he- here in India so like maybe it can be any of those three but I, we really don't have a, a clear number one then we have this like second tier with Kim and Anas uh, I would say also Aaron and so from Malaysia is in uh, is at that level maybe even Alfian and Arianto and Kobayashi Hoki but I would say that's actually the uh, the third tier but that's how I see the men's doubles right now moving on to the women's doubles I have one takeaway but I think it's a really interesting one because I believe that this is going to be maybe even the most interesting matchup to follow on the race to Paris. The matchup between Zhang and Zheng from China and Liu and Tan also from China. So those two pairs are fighting to get the second spot for China at the women's doubles. Obviously, Chen Qingchen and Jia Yifan, they are clear world number ones, runaways, like they are certain to get one spot in Paris. but. After these two tournaments, it will be uh, Shang and Sheng in fifth position on the race to Paris ranking, with Liu and Tan right behind them, only like one hundred and like thirty points behind them. Uh, Liu and Tan in sixth spot. So those two pairs they will need to stay in top eight, which I think is pretty certain that they they will. Uh, but yeah, whoever. Is going to be ranked higher it's not even actually certain of going it's up to the uh, the national uh, coaches to choose but it's such an interesting battle in malaysia open uh, it ended up being uh, a final between these two pairs so liu and tan won 21 18 21 18 in a really really well played final but then this week in uh, in india those two girls lost already in the first round to Miyarura and Sakuramoto from uh, from Japan leaving the door open for uh, yeah for Shang and Cheng to uh, yeah to gain points and them again and they made it all the way to the final using, losing to another uh, Japanese pair Matsumoto and, uh, and Nakahara so that means the ranking as I say is now like there's only 130 points Between those two pairs, and it's gonna be so interesting to follow between, yeah, who's it gonna be for Paris? Between these two pairs, it's uh, right now. It's like a coin toss, and uh, yeah, I cannot wait to see the uh, the next chapter in the uh, the fight between these two pairs. My final three takeaways are from uh, the mixed doubles category. And I will start off by saying like, it's so nice to see that Higashino and Watanabe finally got a uh, another huge win. So I know they're world number two. And of course that says that they've been de- delivering lots and lots of great results. But if you look at the 2023, I think they didn't win enough in terms of how well they are actually playing. And I kind of feel like since they, uh, they made the final of the Asian Games. They have looked a little bit tired on court. They had a few semifinals uh, at the World Tour Finals, the uh, Japan Masters and French Open, but I still felt like you, we were not seeing the best of them. They won the Japan Open uh, the uh, and the uh, India Open last year. But yeah, apart from that, not not really any big titles. They lost some finals, they lost some semif- semifinals, but now they won this year's first Super 1000 in Malaysia. And I think it was like well-deserved and it was great just to see the energy they were playing with again. They played some amazing matches in uh, Malaysia. The draw also opened up for them a little bit, but they beat the, uh, the Chinese pair in the semifinal, Jiang and Wei, who I think is on the rise. More about them later and then, Kim and Jeong uh, in the uh, in the final. So well deserved win for them and it was amazing to see and I really hope that they will keep stepping up their game because that will uh, give us some amazing matches uh, for Paris and some amazing matchups with the uh, Chinese pairings as well. Um C. and Che, of course Kim and Jong, Taechul subsidy and so on there's a lot of uh, great mixed doubles pairings so it's it's great to see Yuta and Arisa back to their very very best. My takeaway number 11, the uh, second to last, is that I think the door is being kicked open for who is gonna take that second Chinese spot in Paris. I think it's been clear for long that Sheng Shi Wei and uh, Huang Chang is the uh, the pair number one. And I think for most people it would make sense that uh, the defending Olympic champion Huang Dongping and her new partner uh, Feng Yanshe that they would be the second pair in the rankings they are also still pretty clear favorites to get that second spot they are a lot of points ahead of uh, Jiang and Wei who I mentioned before made the uh, the semifinal in Malaysia and now they also made the final in India so I'm not sure that Jiang and uh, Jiang and Wei will overtake feng yanche and huang dongping in the rankings before uh, the the road to paris rankings finish but i do think they will get closer and closer i feel like this chinese pair is on the rise where i kind of feel like the inconsistency from especially uh, feng yanche is a bit of a problem and if jiang and wei looks like the better pair over the next four or five months i i don't think it really matters who's the higher ranked pair. As long as they're both top eight, it's up to the, uh, the national coaches of China to choose who's the second pair. And I wouldn't be too surprised if they then choose Jiang and Wei to go as the uh, second pair. But I think it's a very interesting battle to follow. And these past two weeks has only made it more interesting with Jiang and Wei definitely performing uh, better than uh, uh, Huang Dongping and Feng Yanche. On to my 12th and final takeaway from these past two weeks is, of course, as I said, Dechapol and Zapsede from Thailand. Are they back to their best? They just won India Open. I'm not sure they are, but it was really, really good to see them performing at this level again, winning a big title. So my takeaway about them is that there is still life in them and you cannot write them off in any way. I thought when we saw the result in uh, in Malaysia where they lost the quarterfinal uh, a bit disappointingly to uh, to he Young Kai Terry and uh, Tan Wei and Jessica from uh, from Singapore and yeah I think I should have said Terry he and Jessica Tan um, when they lost to them in the uh, in the quarterfinal I was like ah okay they're still a bit on the decline Digital Sapsure is showing more of what they showed last year that they cannot really measure themselves against the very best pairs anymore but it's safe to say that they uh, they shut me up uh, this week in uh, in india they beat watanabe hikashino in the uh, the quarterfinal, 27 25 in the final game and that was a an epic final game what a match some crazy crazy rallies it was just a joy to watch it they beat uh, the chinese type pair Uh, Taipei pairing of uh, Yi and Li in the the semifinal, 21-19 in the final game. And then Jiang and Wei, as I just talked about from uh, China in the final, 21-16, 21-16 very convincingly. So winning a 750 title really shows that, okay, we cannot write them off yet. And it will be interesting to see if they can keep building on this momentum they just created for themselves in uh, in India, and if we should start considering 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 them as one of the dark horses for the uh, bigger titles. So, guys and girls, that was almost half an hour of me rambling about different takeaways from the past two weeks i hope you found it interesting i hope you found it fun maybe you agree with some maybe you disagree with some so please send me a message or leave a comment if you uh, if you would like to have a word with me and uh, i'll just uh, look forward to watch more great badminton on the world tour this week at the uh, indonesia masters super 500 i'll be back with a podcast soon maybe in the same format maybe in a different we'll see but for now thanks for listening everyone bye Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.